decrease your personal expenses as low as humanly possible. That way your business has the opportunity to expand. So you're not like, well, I can't afford someone because how am I going to feed my family type of thing? What are you willing to sacrifice now to get ahead? Hello, I'm Steve Class with the business breakthrough you've been waiting for. We're here taking service businesses to a million dollars and beyond. Let's see what kind of impact the next 30 minutes will have on your life and your business. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Uh, this is a beautiful day. I am actually the one being interviewed for a change. I was interviewed by this gentleman named Luis Diaz. He's the owner of Top 10 Podcast. He helped launch this podcast, and that's his main service. He's got a seven-figure company, um, and he kind of flipped the switch and had the microphone on me for a change, which is always fun. And on this episode, I kind of dove into my own personal background, um, how I started a property management company in the middle of COVID, how I involuntarily left my job during that while my wife was six months pregnant. So if you're interested in learning a snapshot on how to start a business from scratch, scale to over seven figures in just three years, this is a little bit of the playbook on my intentionality. So it's packed with really, really in some insightful gems. Stick around. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Awesome. So Steve, man, uh, in listening to you for a couple of things I did just learned about you. Number one, you were a DJ in a former life. Number two, people should go listen to your podcast. You have a crazy story about, you know, just you're coming up, your dad going, going to jail, um, coming out of it, building a business together. So um, a lot of cool things about you that I didn't know. We're also from the same part of New York, Staten Island. So that's cool. Just found that out. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, it's good to have you here. And the reason I selfishly wanted to bring you on the podcast, because I've seen you number one, launch a new podcast, which has, which is really impressive. Um, just from like the content perspective, number two, that you've built businesses in the in more real estate space. So I'm excited to hear about that. Um, so let's, let's dive in, man. I want to get right to it. Like, tell me a little bit about what you do now. And then I'll, we'll backtrack about to like, what was a flywheel or the thing that helped you get to where you're at today? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I really appreciate you having me on the show and a testament to you guys. If anyone wants to launch a podcast, this is the team. They've been uh, excellent. But uh, for me personally, you know, I have been surrounded by entrepreneurship from an early age. Mm -hmm. And so my, uh, uh, my father, you know, we kind of alluded a little bit to the background um, when I was about 12, ended up going to federal prison on Monday, money laundering charges. I grew up with a mother that didn't was from Morocco, first generation, did not know how to read or write. So from a very early age, I had to become very self-sufficient very quickly. Mm, um, and I always right. had that mindset of looking uh, at how to solve problems and either get myself out of situations like with smooth talking and negotiation skills. I'm not really a big guy. So growing up without a dad, uh, you know, I didn't become the alpha, so to speak. It was more of how do I get through this period of my life? Um, I worked in corporate America, DJed on the side for many, many years. And around, I would say, 2020, and during this time, I'm always a real estate investor as well. I was purchasing properties, like putting away a nest egg of maybe I'll retire when I'm 40, so to speak, the fire movement. Um, COVID hit, and I was DJing in the live event space, um, and that decimated the entire industry. Right. And at the time, my wife was six months pregnant. She was working in travel, which was also decimated. <laughs> yeah. 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 So very quickly within a, I want to say a week of each other, I lost my job and my wife lost her job. And the only income we had was maybe like $1,500 a month from our rental properties. That was it. 
Mm. And I knew at the time that I needed to make a drastic change immediately yeah. uh, for the sake of myself, my family, and my unborn child. So I assessed my skill levels. I was always in sales and marketing. Um, I loved hospitality. I was also involved in real estate. And I said, there's got to be a way here that I can capitalize on these skill sets. Mm -hmm. And I went kind of through the cycle of looking through the usual suspects, right? A mortgage broker, not so much. A realtor, I was kind of done working real uh, weekends. And it's there. Yeah. Like, a, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, uh, but there's thousands and thousands of realtors that were in New York City and, and the outlying outskirts. Uh, so that, that didn't really drive my interest. I, as, in my research, I came across property management. Now, I already own rental property. And I was like, I bet you there's a way to combine my hospitality skill set with the need for really good management. Um, mm -hmm. And I took a, a look at my competitors. And they had, there was maybe two players in town that had professional businesses other than like the realtors who want to do a side hustle. So I'm like, yeah. let me give this a try and see what happens. And I aggressively looked into what they were doing right and what I can improve upon. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that there was a complete lack of video content for, for uh, advertising. Um, it was mostly word of mouth that they were getting leads. Right. So I was like, I am going to double down on VSLs, so video sales letters on Google Ads and see what happens. And almost instantly, the first week, I think we had five leads from having zero connections, zero business, no, uh, getting a website off the ground. So I didn't even have an online presence, really, just a landing right. page. Right. And we found our niche. It was accidental landlords. It was people who weren't necessarily traditional real estate investors, but yep. during the height of COVID, people were moving. There was a pretty, there's a quite a large migration from New York to Connecticut at mm -hmm. the time, and there still is. And it was people who were just leaving their homes vacant and saying like, hey, I don't want to sell right now, but I do want income. And that's yeah. kind of where we came into the picture and slowly grew the business. The first year wasn't that spectacular, but it was, I call it foundational, laying the foundations yeah. down of what started. And I want to say quickly by, we're in year three and I, I'm proud to announce I'm actually exiting the property management company. You have a multi six figure offer on it. Um, but we built up a, a tremendous book of business just on single family rentals in Westchester County, which is upstate New York, and then Fairfield County, to like the Greenwich area. Um, and that really started the the ball rolling. And the beforehand, the most I've ever made was like seventy thousand a year, right? Um, which is okay income, I would say it's average. Mm -hmm. And it quickly started where I was like making multiple five figures every single month, which is astounding to me. And uh, <laughs> from 70k a year to to five figures a month, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was amazing to see that growth. But with growth came a lot of issues, and uh, knowing how to scale properly, have the right team members in place. So it's been a heck of a journey to kind of get to where we are now. Right. Um, I don't want to go on a long spiel of, of of the journey, but that's kind of what we. I started out in property management, and then expanded into construction, and then expanded into real estate brokerage from that foundation. Uh, that's uh, my long-winded answer to, to <laughs> how I got started. <laughs> okay, cause so you you said a, you shared a lot of cool things in there. I'm really focused in on like, okay, you had COVID hit. You realize like I got rental properties, but it's not enough to cover the normal expenses. You know, it's maybe some, but not all of it. But I've got this skill set. So one thing I like to you did here that I want to pull out is that you analyzed your skill set and opportunities, which I think sometimes we we like intuitively know that, but then we don't really go and actually dig into the specific skill sets we have and like 
how are they can how can they make me money and then also what are the opportunities in the marketplace so i think you kind of did two both of those well really well you then took a took the skills you had and said i'm going to start up on google ads so tell me about your google ads do you have experience on google ads previously to running those ads or like how did no. that come into place? Okay. No, ba- barely any, honestly. Um, I read a really cool book, which you can see right behind me. It's $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi. Yep. Um, and that kind of sparked the interest of an unbeatable offer. And I uh, mm-hmm. read um, a little bit of uh, uh, Russell Brunson's work. So I've clicked funnels and kind of went into like the, his yeah. expert secrets and a lot of his material that focuses on how to create a really great marketing funnel. A lot of it was self-taught of creating an offer and I, I just took what people, what is the greatest pain point that a client can have, right? So not just right. in my business. Like, for example, if you are a client uh, or prospective client and you there's a leak in your kitchen and water's coming into your, uh, like ruining your home, mm-hmm. your pain point is severe. You just want this to stop immediately. So you're just going to quickly Google a local plumber and whoever picks up the phone first got the job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's the same thing for me. Like people, they have like this... Um, Deem, like almost like this this straw man of what a tenant is like this adversarial relationship so i wanted to capture that and say okay what is the biggest fears that people have when they're renting out their home and that pain point is what my advertising is going to be so mm. we we offer eviction protection where if we place a tenant and if the deal goes south we're going to cover your legal expenses we offer a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you're not happy with our services you can leave our, leave us and then we can hand the keys back to you so that, that you know, we put our reputation and our quality on the line there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of backdoored a lot of what the pain points were and thought of it that way of how to structure a great ad. And then honestly, chat GPT was just rolling out and I wanted to really <laughs> use, like, I didn't know really can do keywords. How can I help with keyword searches? What are people looking for? And I incorporated that mm-hmm. into the Google ad campaign. Um, and that really, really set us off into getting these leads from having no relationships or having no referral business at the time. Right, right. So you set up a landing page for this property management company that you're starting. You say, uh, go to Google ads, you fire up the ads, start spending money, leads start coming in. Walk me through, you figure out like, okay, I've got leads, got this offer. Awesome. What was it selling on the phone? How did you kind of start getting those first few deals? Excellent point. It goes back to having the right operations from day one. So from day one, I, I invested in a CRM software and a backend property management software called Buildium. It's very specific to that industry. Got it. And as soon as the lead came in via email, it was immediately put into a, a drip campaign where it was a video of me, a video sales letter of me saying, thank you so much for, for inquiring about more information. I'd love to hear more about your specific problem issue. And then I would right. give them a PDF of like common questions they ask. And that would set them up on a seven-day campaign of just value-add, value-add, value-add with no ask other than saying, if you want to learn more, here's a link to my calendar, book, book a discovery call. And I know no one else was doing that in my industry. It was more of just like responding to an email. So I wanted them to build a relationship with my, myself and my face. And I always right. encourage that to other business owners, like be out there, whether you have a BDM who's doing this or it's yourself as an owner, have that video presence when someone submits more information. It goes so much further than just a blanket email, uh, like yeah. generic response. And people know that. Um, and that's when I started getting discovery calls, uh, booking up my calendar. And then it, it's just leading them through the process of sales and knowing that your job is to listen and just to find the pain point because everyone's right. going to be different on their pain point. For example, someone might call me and their pain point might not have to do with a tenant. It might be that it's an aging grandmother that they want to make sure it's taken care of and the property's being watched. Or it might be that the house is in disrepair and it needs more repair work and 
again, nothing to do with a tenant. Or they may be more logical basis, like, what's my ROI? What's going on this? Yeah. And I, I always say what people do with discovery calls, they immediately jump into what they can offer, what the features, what makes a company cool, and they just don't zip it. They just don't ask questions like, yeah. why are we having this conversation, um, you know, Mr. Smith? Like, what, what's leading us to have this dialogue? And then just listen to what their story is, and then responding in kind. Like, you can have a script, but have it where it's like there's a dialogue going on where, you, where the whole goal is to build up that initial relationship on that 30-minute discovery call. Totally. Um, and your, the calls rate is skyrockets. I mean, it was 80, 90% in some cases. Love it. So you did a two-call close from what I understand. It's in like, yeah, like a discovery call. Then like, okay, I think we're a fit. I think it can help you with this XYZ problem. Okay. Let's jump into, okay, cool. And I think that is such a, for me personally, when I jump into that and I don't try to close it on the first deal, it, it just flows so much better. So, so, so much better. So I'm interested to hear, I'm glad to hear in a sense that you had a similar result when it came to like doing discovery call first. And then jumping into like, okay, like once I understand the problem and the person, now I think I can help them or maybe know they're not a fit. So so you've you've got this kind of like system going, you've got these ads going, so you're constantly getting leads. Walk me through, you've got like maybe your first five properties under management. You know, how did you scale from there? What was like the first hire you had to make? Right. And so th this is where uh, I want to express that I made a mistake on the first hire. I have now learned a different process. But what I did was that I hired an assistant property manager part-time that was kind of just doing very minor, minor, lower skill level tasks, like yeah. running, making a set of keys, answering minutiae emails. And what I should have done and what, what I've now implemented in full force is hiring from the top down. So I want to hire someone who has the opposite skill set of me. So I'm really good at sales and marketing and my operations is average at best. So it should have been someone who was a director level op operations person, first hire, who mm. can then set the precedent of like, I understand your vision. Let's now make sure all these properties are really taken care of and fulfilled right. and have a systems and KPIs in place. Um, that's not what I did. I do it now, yeah. but I hired, I hired more of, more of like a, uh, um, like a low level the kind of just, you know, gopher, so to speak. Yeah. And then as we scaled, though, I learned from that mistake um, because the, the it wasn't an A player. Yeah, you know, I kind of just wanted anyone who first showed you up in the body. <laughs> yeah. Need a body, man. Um, I will yeah. say a great hire I did have though was a VA who really took care of more of the uh, the the back end minutia that didn't that was just time consuming but was easy to train, like the accounting, for example, and bookkeeping, right. uh, coordination of maintenance, that sort of thing. Right. Um, right. But I would encourage that, that. That's my belief is top down. It always has worked for me and my other two businesses for sure. Love it. So top down approach to hiring you've that that's interesting. Cause I always, I've always heard like kind of like conflicting like messages or, or advice from different hire, different people who are hiring experts, uh, where it's like, you know, hire the assistant first, handle your email or hire C-suite or like high, like you're saying, director level kind of people. Where did you find these people? I'm curious to hear. Cause like, first of all, New York, uh, Connecticut area, hey, it's not cheap to live there. So you're paying good people like good money because they're also going to go somewhere else. So where'd you find the person? Um, and like, <clears throat> did you find it hard to compensate them what they needed to be compensated or you had enough kind of budget in the, in the business to where it was, it was okay. Yeah. That's a fantastic question. Um, the first thing I did was move out of New York. So to save on it, <laughs> so yeah. I ended up, yeah. <laughs> I ended yeah. up buying a duplex in, in Connecticut, which I still live in, and I house hacked where the rent was uh, the rent was basically breaking even on my mortgage payment. 
So because that happened, I was able to take more risk and it didn't need to the property management income at the time to survive. Mm. And I always espouse that, like decrease your personal expenses as low as humanly possible. That way your business has the opportunity to expand. So you're not like, well, I can't afford someone because how am I going to feed my family type of thing? Right. I only needed $2,000 a month to live. So right. now I'm free, uh, freed up to offer someone a six-figure salary to make that move. Mm-hmm. Now, and with, with any business, I love the term of eating last. So I want to make sure that my my company's taken care of, mm-hmm. even though I'm taking home less of a salary at the time, mm-hmm. um, or the business is breaking even on profit. I know it's a long-term growth strategy that I'm uh, that I'm um, precipitating, hoping that this will the person I'm hiring is going to be going to be the A player I think they are, and then start to capitulate that growth. Got it. I love that strategy. And honestly, uh, my wife and I are looking at doing the same thing on a fiveplex, which I'll, I'll get into you off the call. I'll get into, get into that with you. Um, so, so yeah. So house hacking, for those who don't know what house hacking is, can you explain what that is? Absolutely. So it's essentially buying a piece of real estate with the intention of renting out some spaces. It doesn't have to be a duplex, triplex, or fiveplex. This can be you purchasing a single family home and renting out the spare bedrooms to your buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it basically makes it where the goal is to essentially live for free. And I know people get uncomfortable with this concept, like, I don't want to be a landlord. I don't want to you know, deal with tenants. Think of the sacrifice and the cost that it, it's costing you to maintain that perception of reality. So you're willing to pay now $2,500 to $3,000 a month because yeah. of what? The minor inconvenience that someone may let you know that the toilet's clogged and that you have to <laughs> you know, deal, with, deal with that repair. So it's like, what are you willing to sacrifice now to get ahead? And it's it also allows you to purchase a property as your primary residence, so you can get very favorable interest rates, mm-hmm. three and a half to five percent down in some cases, uh, where you essentially become a real estate investor um, day one. As opposed to if you want to buy investment property, the traditional way is you need twenty to twenty five percent down, which is a huge chunk of change for most people. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that's a strategy that we that I've impl- I still live there, even though I can afford a greater home now. I yeah. still am uh, that the uh, the the cheapo at heart, where I really look forward to <laughs> the saving on that payment, and it's also coming down to minimalist. Like, uh, do I really need a four thousand square foot home? What what value right. add does that add to my personal life? Um, I I value more experiences and travel, so that's what I'll spend the money on, so to speak. Yeah, Steve, we have a lot in common, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same right way, yeah. man. Yeah, I I told my wife I was like, I'd rather spend three months away in Europe than have a mat fa- fancy house. If I can do to if I can do to like live for a quarter in Europe and just do my work over there and travel and see the world, I'll do that. I have a have a okay house here all day. Spoiler: That's exactly what I do, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I, it. And okay. my winter is either in Latin America or Europe. So yeah, amen, amen. All right, cool, man. So so house hacking dropped your costs on your, on your, like, you don't have to give yourself a, you know, three, $4,000 income, you know, through your company. Now you can spend, you can basically have a 2k, your, your, you know, the renter is basically paying for the mortgage on your home. So now you're able to take that excess. Let's just say, let's just call a thousand to $2,000 and put it back into your business in softwares and people in, in marketing. Dude, that's, that's amazing. And it's, it, what I like about it is that it's so um, it's logical. Like it clicks. It doesn't make sense. It's not some like weird woo woo energy thing. It's like, oh, like I meditated every day for 40 minutes. Um, and that's what gave very me practical. the, yeah, it's very practical. I'm a very <laughs> practical guy, dude. So I, I love that. So you basically figured out the marketing piece 
figured out a really smart way to drop your expenses so you can pour that money back into the business. And now you're at a place where you can afford the the, the A player teammate. You've got the marketing working. Um, you're growing this company now. Walk me through kind of like how did construction and and the brokerage come into play now to add on top of that? This is my favorite part. So property management is definitely the foundation of, of uh, real estate. And what I've noticed, and I, I would coin the term cross-selling, that I would get asked on a consistent basis, you know, as we grew, let's say we were managing out 50 homes. Yep. And in any given week, those 50 homes need something that's fixed or a tenant's moving out. It has something that has to be repaired. And I was looking at our our uh, our vendor payouts and I'm paying strangers essentially multiple six figures <laughs> to do yeah. the painting, put a new toilet in, new bathroom, uh, unclog a drain, you name it. And my father at the time uh, was working in Midtown Manhattan construction and he would complain to me. He's like, ah, you know, I really don't love my job. I'm working in a very menial, like municipality type of superintendent thing. My, yeah. And I said to him, I said, dad, you know, I'm really good at sales and marketing. I already have a management. A lot of work we're outsourcing to these other vendors and I'm making any income. Why don't you just come work with me and let's get this thing off the ground. I already mm -hmm. had, now I already had a client base. Yep. Day one, Louise, it it almost it, it exceeded the property management income. It was unbelievable how much growth it was just because we're, I already had a book of business now. Mm. And and my father was gifted in the operational aspects where he knew how to get all the construction done. He knew how the operations, he knew who to hire. So again, getting back to hiring the right yeah. people, my father was my, is my business partner in construction. That's his role. And my role is more sales and marketing. And I'm proud to say that we're over seven figures now on that business alone, um, just servicing our clients' needs. And now it's more, it's also more efficient for my clients because we yeah. keep it in house. It's like there's you need something repaired tomorrow, no problem. We don't have to go to the yellow pages to yeah. find a stranger to deal with your uh, your leaking toilet or whatever have you. All right, all right. That's um, that's same thing with brokerage, man. It was brokerage. We started selling these houses, um, just natural synergies because we're involved as managers. They're ready to be real estate investors. And I would end up referring out deals to realtors who didn't really know what, how to deal with an investor mindset. So right. we kept that in house too and had launched the brokerage. <laughs> That's been great. So it's. I love it, uh, dude. So, so what you've done essentially is build an ecosystem. You've got one business that feeds another business that feeds another business. Boom. And um, it took me a while to figure that out. I had a great mentor um, back in the day that taught me this because his business just kind of did that. And I was like, like mind blown because that's how you really create something that is it's going to last longer than you like you wanted to sell it, you could totally sell it but that is going to it just it's a force multiplier right you put one new property management new property in your in your property management company and then literally it just starts to it can feed all the other businesses through that you know one property absolutely um, so it's interesting and I, you know i've learned that the hard way um early on when i was a uh, uh, like 19 or 20 old my father ended up buying an italian restaurant in staten mm -hmm. island and the, his knowledge of restaurants was knowing how to order. And that was about it. <laughs> and <laughs> right. he put me in charge of it at an early age, which was a, a horrific experience, but a, a life lesson for sure. Yeah. Um, and then in the meanwhile, he did construction and there was no cross-pollination. He would drive mm -hmm. himself nuts on an industry that he had nothing, knew no knowledge about and right. work in construction. And I didn't want to be that be my path. As an entrepreneur, I think we suffer, all of us probably suffer from a little bit of ADHD where we want to hop to new ideas. Um, so I didn't want to open up a cafe and had no correlation with my real estate business. Put it that way. Yep. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's taken me a minute 
to to think through that as well and like okay well i can't go and start this other thing because it doesn't feed into my current business like we've got all these great clients here like how do we help them grow and expand and how do we also help ourselves to do in doing that like kind of like what you're saying like building set businesses that also serve the same customer in a different way right Absolutely. so 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 that mindset i think um as you can tell it's already generated seven figures and it, it's a it's a thriving business now um Man, that that's really really powerful. Is there anything else I would say you would do differently? I think the biggest takeaway I've learned is that you built a flywheel. Figure out the marketing, figure out how to drop your expenses to pour into that and scale that, and then you built other companies around it. Um, in going back, if you flash, if you if you turn back the clock to twenty twenty March or whenever it happened, uh, COVID, what would you do differently if you had to do it again? Yeah, that's that's a fantastic question. So what I've come to to learn, and this is one of the big reasons I'm actually exiting property management. We've had a fantastic offer, is to have a business that is purpose driven, and that's something I lack. It fulfilled the need. We provide a great service, and we were able to help someone else, but it didn't fulfill a a heartbeat on me. It was it wasn't right. it wasn't that that like the uh, if you want to use the proverbial soul for example, yeah. I, I lacked a mission statement. So early on, I would have definitely created a mission statement that I, people can kind of follow and be part of the tribe. And that's mm -hmm. one of the big mistakes I had where I, I was going through employees uh, that didn't really have a purpose because I didn't have a purpose. So it was 100% right. my fault. Um, and I would also probably almost invest immediately on getting some type of um, help when it comes to the, the VA side of it. Because you can find great VAs in Philippines, yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. And they're fantastic employees. And it's it makes sense to have that almost as I would say a first hire just to help you so you can focus on what you're great at so they can fulfill more like the emails and answering very low level questions. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Central America and the Philippines have been great for us too, just from hiring product, property man, uh, property manager, podcast managers, I mean, editors, you name it. Um, you know, train if you have a good training system or learn how to train people really well, I think that's that's a gold mine. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that and glad, glad to hear kind of like the mission statement. So if you, do you have a mission statement now? I'm curious to hear Steve, what is the mission statement for you now in this maybe new endeavor that as you're exiting this, the property Absolutely. management company? Yeah. So, so the new thing I'm going for is actually be, uh, becoming a business coach for other service-based entrepreneurs. So roofers, mm -hmm. property managers, um, plumbers, uh, DJs, you name it, anyone where it's not a product being sold as a service, because I've found that what really moves me is helping mm -hmm. other business owners succeed in, in their own companies. Yeah. And now I've, I've kind of replicated three success stories in just under three years where I know that what I've gone through is applicable to these industries right. and it's fulfilling a need for someone else because it, it, it expands, right? So if I help another property manager who's based maybe in West Palm, Florida, yep. it grows their business and they can hire more employees and impacts the local economy. It helps their mm -hmm. tenants who live there it becomes this spiral effect that I found that I find amazing. And it's and also with this podcast that your company has been fantastic helping me with. What is the most amount of value I can give for free to anyone who listens that can maybe change their life? Even if it's just one person, to me, that's yeah. invaluable. And leading that as a lifestyle entrepreneur and, and having it where it's, it's a purpose-driven mission, I yeah. think is really what I, um, is important to me at this point in my life. Totally, totally. I got that. I've got some ideas for you as well. Um, that's exciting because I think your podcast is going to really do that. Um, 
and I'm excited to to help you with that. But dude, in, in wrapping this up, Steve, where can people find out more about you? Not so just even just like the businesses, but like what's the place you want people to go to connect with you if they have questions or want to connect? Absolutely. So uh, give me a listen on my podcast. So that's Service Business Success with Class. Uh, that's my little nickname from DJ Days, Steve <laughs> Class. Uh, Instagram is going to be Stevie Class. That's S-T-E-V-E-Y-C-L-A-S-S. Uh, shoot me a DM. Love to connect with anyone. Um, just even, even if it's just offering free advice, happy to help anyone out. Um, I got some cool things in the works. I'm writing a book or wrote a book, getting it published soon. Um, and potentially working with someone you know, uh, Mr. Tyler, um, you're launching a TED Talk. Nice. So, uh, nice. fun, stuff, fun stuff in the works, um, kind of, again, moving to stuff that's, that's mission driven is, is the goal here. Amen. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much for being on super excited to see what you do, um, in the future as you've launched these new endeavors, man. And, I uh, just appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Louise looking forward to working with you further. Take care, man. Take care. Thank you for tuning into service business success with class. Are you craving more strategies to supercharge your business growth? You can connect with me at successwithclass.com or on my Instagram at Stevie Class. And remember, when you hit subscribe, it's a win-win. You'll get your hands on all the latest tips and you'll be supporting the show too. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.